0: This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire.
1: A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us
0: happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. Uh, I'd like to do a quick plug before we even get started because... I just had to grab some bites of Eat to Evolve before we started recording, and it's delicious. I I grabbed a grab-and-go. I had the barbecue chicken salad. I had the potato. What is it? Like a sweet potato. I don't have the name in front of me. Like
1: the sweet potato family salad. Yes, family-style
0: salad, and it's delicious. I love it. So uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can support us by going to Eat to Evolve and using the discount code joyclaire 15 for a discount off your order.
1: Which, this is not intuitive, but the discount code joyclaire 15 gets you... 20 percent off your first order i don't know yes. why there's a 15 at the end it doesn't make any sense maybe it started off as 15 and i think it's started, it started
0: but regardless regardless you should probably use that code and support the podcast and then also get a discount off delicious food that's eat to evolve.com the discount code joy claire 15
1: delish, Both delish. Eating it for lunch i love it mm-hmm. um How's it going? We've had so many interviews lately.
0: We really have. And we always get mixed reviews on interviews because people just want to hear us, which I really appreciate. Really appreciate it. And there's only so much of us to go around, guys. Sometimes we need to hear other people's voices.
1: I think everybody, I feel like it's less that people only love hearing us and more that they know what they're getting when they get us. And when we have a 1, guest, they do always... Resonate with everyone, but I have really been interested in the fact that, like, every interview we've had lately has really come back to this theme of not ignoring the signals that your body is giving you. I feel like we talked about that with Laura Legos. We talked definitely talked about that about that with Dr. Cook. We talked about that with Noel. Next, we are in a couple of weeks. We're going to have an interview with um Scout from Scout's agency, and she talks about that. Like, it's just such a theme right now that I think people are really coming out of the past year out of touch with themselves and out of touch with like what living in a non-super stressed out state even feels like. And we're all realizing like, oh my gosh, my body is crying out for help.
0: Can I share a personal story really quick along the same lines? And people can probably tell by now that I'm very cautious of what I share about like why I left my job just because there's so much complication to it and I want to give it more time to breathe. Before I really kind of share my story, because I think it is really important to talk about it in more detail. But the part that I want to share is I was talking to a friend recently about just the, leaving the job and how I saw the signs and I knew I needed to leave. But I tried to put a positive spin on it for so long. There's like there's only so much positivity that you can spin on a bad situation before you're just like I, it, in my bones. I knew it. And I was just like, you know, I'd been looking for jobs years before I actually left, but I kept trying to make it work and being like, I'm really trying. I'm really trying. I put a positive spin on it, put a positive spin on it. And at the end of the day, it was literally killing me. Like, I I know Graves' disease was because of stress. So that is just something that I've been really trying to work on. I feel like it's a big lesson of you know, when am I like lying to myself and having resistance? And I know that's such a wooey word, but you can feel it in your body. And I don't think it's like black and white every single time, but it's persistent enough to where the situation had to get to a point that was pretty extreme and dramatic that I could have left before it got to that point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think with jobs and with relationships and with anything that you are choosing or it feels like you're choosing it, it is really hard to talk yourself, not talk yourself out of, it's really hard to acknowledge when we have all this just like toxic positivity messaging around us all the time that like you make your own reality, you make your own happiness, you know, like life is what you make it. It all puts the impetus just on you to figure out how to see the bright side of things. And that's why I feel like we talk about this a lot. I very, very much shy away from silver lining thinking, you know, even when people will write into us or my friends will come to me and say, oh, I'm having XYZ problem. I never, I have completely have stopped trying to like put any sort of positive spin on it even if that's kind of you know per- we talk about this a lot like perception not persp- perspective is important like of course it's important to acknowledge oh other people have it worse than me but we do that about everything to the point where we completely invalidate what we are going through and like okay you know you you're choosing this it could be worse blah 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 but at the end of the day like some things are truly toxic and i think there's also that difference between something that like Maybe you're just kind of in a rut with for now, but you know it's going to come back around, or you're on a project that you don't particularly like the team that's on the project, but you know it's temporary. Right. Like all that's, of those things, yeah. you know, we're not saying like the moment something starts to feel uncomfortable, just walk away. Because that's also not reality. Like, you know, we talk about this with looking for your dream job. You're not always going to love every moment of everything, even if you're in the perfect fit. You know, it's the same way with a marriage, with a friendship, with anything. You're not going to love every second and every moment, even if it's the perfect fit. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know when that switch flips into like, no, this is now becoming truly a negative net impact on my life.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important that what you said about, it's not that the second things become uncomfortable, but really recognizing. I think the question is, if you're in it, and you think, I'm not sure if this is good or bad, truly taking yourself out of it will give you perspective. And that may mean leaving something for a while if you can to get perspective. But I there's no way I would have had the perspective I have if I would have stayed. Absolutely not.
1: Yeah. I feel like, you know, I always kind of referenced the job that I left a couple of years ago that was super toxic. And I had the same experience where it was like, I knew in my core for months that I was not in the place, in a healthy place. And I just kept telling myself like, yeah, but, you know, look at how great you're doing. You have all these, you know, you got promoted and you all these things and blah, blah, blah. Your boss loves you, you know. You kind of tell yourself, like I think like the scarcity mindset also really comes in that you're like, well, it's not so bad. like well, what if the next thing I go to is even it worse
0: always 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 always. And I did that in my previous job, and I think what I'm learning right now is a big lesson that I noticed uh, and I need to kind of figure this out before I talk more about it too, but it's like something I'm working on is at my previous job, I left and there was drama, meaning like I left with this.
1: Your job before the job
0: job before they just yeah so the job at the DA's office I, when I left it was kind of like on I it was some drama like I felt like I had been wronged and there was like someone that really made me mad and like it was it's interesting that there's some similar <laughs> things that I'm like ooh I'm the common denominator with this like what is that about joy and so that's just been something I've been kind of looking at because I'm like is there something around jobs that like I need to leave before it gets to that point. And I need to be aware, whatever next move I make, that I don't have to get it to a place where I'm like lying to myself that things are great. But the thing that I want to point out really quick too, just about silver linings, you said is something that people, I don't know where I, re- I saw this, um, it was some article somewhere along my career, and uh, maybe someone out there knows it, please cite it, cite the source, is what does support look like for you right now when someone's going through a hard time instead of doing the silver lining positivity thing is what does support look like for you right now is a great question because that just opens it up to that may change over time, but right now how can I support you or what does it look like to you? And that doesn't mean in all scenarios, because I know sometimes it's hard to ask someone like, what do you need when people like, I don't know what I need, but support is like uh, just asking me how I'm doing. It would be great. You know? So, I I just, I can't stress enough how much I agree with you, Claire, about the silver lining piece of we don't need to just fix it in fix it mode. And we need to sit with the uncomfortable feelings that people bring us. And we need to sit with the uncomfortable, uncomfortable situations that are going on in other people's lives and just allow them to be where they are.
1: I have two other examples I want to share kind of on the same vein and not to belabor the point, but I think they're Pretty specific, and I hope that anybody listening might maybe be able to identify with either of these. One of them is that a coworker or colleague that I had who decided to leave the, her job constantly was asking herself and constantly telling herself, like, this job isn't that bad. What if I can't find another job that's any better? And what if the next place I go to even is worse than this? You know, am I giving up on something? My am, am I giving up a job that actually like isn't that bad, quote unquote, that bad? And I feel like that if you are constantly asking yourself like, well, you know, what if this, this, it could be worse. What if the next thing I go to isn't any better? I think you're selling yourself short for what your own judgment is capable of providing and also like what the opportunities are out there. There are a lot of things out there and whether this be jobs, whether this be, you know, any scenario in your life where you're constantly thinking like, well, this isn't that bad, I guess. There are things out there that are far better than just not that bad.
0: Right. Exactly. Where it's, and I'm guilty of that because I did that at my job, my first, the, the first job I was referencing, the DA's office. I was always like, well, what if the job I go to, I was like, I hate it and I regret this. It's always about the, I'm going to regret the decision. And you never do because you're moving on to something better. Even if it's like, Oh, I don't know if I actually want to be here. So I'm going to move to the next thing. And. We always have choices, but staying where you are, I feel like it just eventually, it gets so bad that you like have to be forced out.
1: of <laughs> Yeah. And like just that feeling like life is about more than just being in situations that aren't that bad. The other thing I was thinking about is, you know, when you were talking about like, do you always, why do you always end up getting to this place where things start to feel toxic before you feel like you can leave? and another friend was recently going through something and i was kind of talking about it with someone else and saying you know it just feels like this they they were having a falling out with someone and then i was like this it feels like this friend constantly has these huge falling outs with people and you know i don't feel like i've ever really had a you know post high school maybe true like falling out with someone And the realization I had about this person was that she holds on to relationships through so much, you know, abuse, really, and so much like take, 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 and so much conflict and tension and what have you that she sticks with them until the only choice she has is to have a falling out. And that was like this big aha moment that, like, this isn't just like you're doomed to have these falling outs with people. This is like a scenario that a couple weeks or months or even years ago, you could have started to kind of work on and either eventually sort of anticlimactically part ways with that person or resolve whatever issues were happening before they got to the point where it was unfixable and you felt the need to just not felt the need, but the only choice you had was to have like a true falling out. And I think that that's also the case when. When it comes to, it can be the case when it comes to jobs or whatever that like, yeah, maybe there was a scenario or a a fork in the road previously that you could have taken or, you know, something that you could have been addressing throughout the whole time that would have gotten you to a point where, sure, maybe you might still have left the job or not chosen to stay with it, but it wouldn't have felt like, and I'm not necessarily saying this about you, your particular situation, sure, but right. just anyone out there that like, yeah, that's important to look at too and realize, okay, what are these patterns? Are there things that I can be more aware of that are red flags that might seem like really little red flags at the moment, but now when I step back, I realize that I repeat this pattern throughout my life where I ignore these small red flags until they become absolutely gigantic. Bigger. And yeah, I like and like, right. And the only way to solve it is just to leave the situation and go to anyone.
0: Or it gets like, like Oprah would say, you know, life speaks to you in a whisper and then starts talking and then it gets louder. It's kind of like the lessons that we're quote unquote meant to learn in life will eventually just yell and scream at you. And I feel like that is what happens to me, at least in these last two job situations, where it started as, as a whisper. And it was like, Joy, are you going to pay attention to this? Joy, are you going to pay attention to this? And it just got louder and louder and louder. to It was like this huge scream and this dramatic, well, not dramatic, whatever. I'll tell the story one day. like. <laughs> You're right
1: it was it, dramatic in the sense that it was like
0: it was happened, not yeah, you know? it just it could have been it could have been a more neutral departure, but you know it it was like the thing that my other friend was asking me was why do you allow people let's just let's just use an example, uh people to treat you poorly, especially in management roles, like like bosses, because it was very similar situations, and I was like, oh, um probably because I'm a people pleaser, probably because I want to do a good job. I want people to like me. So that's kind of the pattern that I've seen is like, oh, and so I let people in power treat me really crappy. And so that's something else I'm taking and trying to learn from of like, all right, well, I need to work on that too, because I don't want to create that dynamic and wherever I land next.
1: Yeah, I think all of this kind of Still goes back to that kind of the pattern I was talking about at the very beginning of what are the messages that you are ignoring, that you are trying to normalize, that you're trying to make excuses for, whether they, again, are in your body, are in your job, are in your relationships, are wherever. And what can you do with those before they get to the point where you have to stop what you're doing and deal with them?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I also thought of this, this is a different topic, but when you said Oprah a minute ago, I recently saw something where a bunch of people were li- were listed out with like their name and it said Oprah Winfrey. And I was like, why do we even need to use her last name? We Who all uses know.
0: her last name? It's just,
1: you know, I know that she's not, she officially has the last name. She's not like Cher, but like she could be like Cher if she wanted
0: to be. Do, exactly. Do you know how hard that must be for her to introduce herself or like how weird it must be? Because you want to, as a human, just be like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Oprah. But she doesn't need an introduction ever, ever to anyone. I don't know one person on the planet who doesn't know Oprah. So that must feel so weird.
1: What if your name was Oprah, but you're not the Oprah? (laughs) That would suck.
0: That would, yeah.
1: Like the other day I was where, I forget where I was, but I saw like a list of people's names. I I saw a list of like the people's names who were, I must've been checking people into something. Where would I possibly have been where I was checking people into something? I don't know. And a guy was named Woody Harrelson. And I was like, there's no way. And it was like just some random old guy with like a fanny pack on. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Your name is Woody
0: Harrelson. Oh, man. That's such a unique name, too. It's so unique. I would love to know if there's people out there with famous names that aren't the famous person.
1: I mean, I'm sure there are. Like, um, when I was one of my good friends, her last name is Palin. And, like, when Sarah Palin was really popular, she hated it. And she, like, we worked at a job together where we had to wear name tags. And she changed the spelling of her last name so that people would stop commenting on it all the time.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. That's Mm -hmm. a bummer.
1: Yeah, I also remember seeing this Twitter thread when, like, Brett Kavanaugh was being, you know, confirmed or whatever. And it mm-hmm. was, like, between all these guys who had had, who has this, who have the same names of these, like, really controversial figures. And it was, like, welcome to the club. <laughs>
0: so awkward. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of famous names, do you have any comments, Claire, on uh, the celebrity gossip about Benifer?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I don't know. I just don't even care. Like,
0: yeah,
1: you know, if they're happy, great. Jennifer Lopez looks amazing. I want like whatever, you know, diet tea she's drinking. That was a joke, yeah. guys. Slim but, like, tea. She, it's, she it's tummy tea, you guys. That's all it is. Tummy tea. She just, <laughs> you know, I like, she just is so like spitfire, like so spunky. Just her, her, her whole vibe and ambiance is just so fiery. I love her. And, you know. Ben Affleck, he's kind of just like a, I forget where this thing comes from, but have you heard the phrase tofu personality? Like you just take on the flavor of everyone else around you? No. I feel like that's like a a term that I used to use in college, like someone who had a tofu personality, like they just became like the person they were hanging out with. And like, he's like that. He's not, doesn't seem to be all that interesting as a standalone human. So like way to go to couple up with one of the more interesting, famous
0: people on the planet. And I, you know, I love the nineties and the early two thousands. I think that's when they were together is the early two thousands. And I just really am more in for the nostalgia of it. I love Jenny from the Block. I love Bennifer. I thought that they were the cutest couple. I remember, I mean, gosh, memory lane, but I just remember in the early 2000s, because that's when I was in college, is uh, like, well, actually, no, late 90s, uh, but barely out of college. It's like, Jennifer Bennifer, Jennifer Lopez was like it. Everyone wanted to be Jennifer Lopez. I remember talking to people and like girls literally wanted to just be Jennifer Lopez. Like, how do I make that career? I'm like, you, you can't. There's only one Jenny from the block. But I say, good Anya. If you guys are happy, who am I to judge? I think celebrities deal with enough. So I truly think it's the greatest.
1: So I thought you were about to ask me about Simone Biles. Should we talk about that?
0: Great. Let's move on. Yeah.
1: Okay. So in case you've been living under a rock... Uh, Simone Biles the absolute best female gymnast of all time uh, pulled out of the Olympics out of the team competition and the individual all around pretty much due to her mental health and there have been everyone feels the need to comment on it a lot of them are positive which is amazing and a lot of them are terrible which is terrible I don't really feel a ton of need to comment on it from just given the sense to like I have no idea what her life is like
0: no exactly and that's kind of where I'm uh, like a little tongue-in-cheek with Bennifer, just because it's like, I really love them as a couple. I don't know their life, but it's just like, it, it It feels like everyone just wants to have commentary. Now, of course, with Simone Biles, it's a completely different scenario. And she is an elite, the best athlete, the, the best gymnast out there. And all of a sudden, she is under this microscope. What drives me crazy is just people from the couch commenting and making negative comments that have no, not and will never know that level of pressure And to make assumptions, to make judgments is just crappy. It's just crappy.
1: It's super crappy. And especially the people who are like, she's letting down her country. It's like, no, she's not. First of all, if you want to talk about letting down America, we've had a lot of letdowns lately and this does not register. Yeah. I don't think any of us are losing sleep over Simone Biles quitting, not, you know, not quitting, you know, withdrawing from gymnastics and, you know, people are like, she's a quitter. Like, listen, we need to stop calling people who remove themselves from toxic situations quitters. This is exactly what we were just talking about. This is why people stay That's in a good horrible point. situations. That's a good
0: point. That's such a good point. It's like, yes. Yeah. Because
1: like, you don't want to be seen as the one who couldn't hack it. You don't want to be seen as a quitter. And I love the, that she is putting herself out there. And I'm, you know, I hate that she's having to go through all this judgment, But I think it's just an unbelievable way for her to represent that like, hey, this is what it looks like to take care of yourself. And one thing that I read that I really loved was like, was this guy and this post has gone viral. So I'm sure a lot of you have already seen it where this man was talking about how he used to show his daughters the Carrie Strug, the famous Carrie Strug vault where she vaulted on a broken ankle and went to win gold. And he was like, I don't. View that as inspirational anymore. I view that as abusive. And I can't believe her coach made her do that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you know, looking back, what you see is that she's crying. She's saying, Do I really have to do this? Her coach is saying, You know, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And she went on to have to retire after that because of her injuries. And, you know, that it was this like gold medal above all else mentality. And looking back at that at the time, it was, Oh my gosh, she's so inspirational. And and yeah, sure, maybe she did really want to do that in the depths of her heart and believed that, you know, that was the best choice that she could make, but she was so young, had been under so much pressure for so long. And so the the gist of this post was like, I no longer see that as inspirational. I see that as somebody being forced to do something for the pursuit of a goal that maybe wasn't even hers and against the best interests of her own self and her own body. And then, you know, conversely to look at Simone Biles, who was like, listen, I am having a tough year, a tough week, things are not going the way I want them to, it would be dangerous for me to keep competing. And so I'm not going to do it. End of story.
0: Yeah. And I, I really like that post too. And I totally agree because I, when the Larry Nassar thing went down in 2016, 17, I went on a deep dive of all the biographies and all the documentaries about it. I mean, I consumed that like crazy, so I feel like the other thing that I saw just from watching these survivors speak against a sexual perpetrator is that, to me, watching Simone Biles say no was the first time that she was standing up to a f- effed up system, and still an effed up system. I think there's still, I, I again, I'm I'm speaking. Out of my turn, I don't know this for sure, but like, I can imagine that she is, has a lot of feelings around a system that really allowed these women to be abused for so long. And granted, they're turning the ship around and they're improving, but. For the most of her life, for the majority of her life, she was in that system. And for the first time, she's going, what do I want? And I am standing up for what I want and what I feel. And for the majority of my professional career as a gymnast, I've not been allowed to speak up and I've not been treated well. So I think that like, this is also just for gymnasts out there. My guess is they're watching this too, who've been in that really abusive system. And it says this in all the documentaries of like how it was just normalized at the, I think it's the Caroli Ranch. Yeah. At the Caroli Ranch, that girls were not allowed to talk to their parents. I mean, just watch the documentaries. It's like, it's it's abuse. And that was normalized. It was normalized. That was just the culture. That was just the gymnast culture. If you want to survive, you got to put up with it, blah, blah, blah. And it's just very interesting, like how uh, very differently, but how, how the conversation you were talking about earlier of just how long you put up with something just because that's just how the, the way it is, you just got to suck through it, suck it up and, and work through it. I just watched this whole thing unravel or this whole I watched this whole thing un, unfold. And watching Simone with such grace and such power, I could tell the first day like Scott and I were watching the Olympics and we were watching her and I'm like, she does not She you could just see it in her eyes and she was struggling in her mind. You could just almost like you could just feel her brainwaves just struggling. And so when she walked off the mat and she walked off with her coach, she had such purpose and determination. And she walked off and you could just see her being like, I got to do this for my body. I'm not safe out there. You know, she was she was adamant and you could tell she it was almost like she she was taking her power back. And it was it was amazing to watch. So I I understand that I'm also speaking out of like just kind of my opinion of what I saw, but I'm just like, I think she's amazing. And nobody knows what she's going through (laughs) unless it's her family. So unless you uh, have been walked a thousand miles in Simone Biles shoes, you don't have an opinion to, or you don't have the right to say that she's weak or that she is a quitter or she didn't, you know, follow through with her team. Whatever the negative things are. Because she also has a pretty darn heavy past that she's dealing with, and she's finally able to speak up for herself.
1: So, in sum, no one gets to talk about Smobiles, but we're we just talked about Smobiles. But I do think that I just love it, it from the perspective of setting an example for people to say, "Hey, I don't owe anybody anything," even though my. I think we also really get in that trap of like sunk costs almost of like, well, I've been working so long for, for so long for this and I can't leave now. It's like, yes, you can. You can say no at any point, even if you are already in Tokyo, getting ready to step on the mat, you can say, actually, I'm not doing this. I just think that that as an example is so inspiring.
0: Yeah. And I like what you said about, you know, she doesn't owe us anything. Hey, do I love watching her as a gymnast? She's amazing. I was very excited to watch her perform. And when I saw the pain and the fear and, you know, the emotions that were she was going through, I was like, no, 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 no. This is not good. I'm really worried about her. You know, we were, Scott and I were just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, we're like concerned spectators from, you know, it just, it just really is something that I think people will be talking about for a long time because prioritizing, mental health and prioritizing yourself is just something you don't see all the time with, especially with athletes. It's like, they're just expect expected to be these performers and to be perfect. Can you imagine the weight of that pressure? I mean, to say that you are the greatest of all time. And I was telling Scott this, I was like, did Michael Jordan go through? Like, I'm trying to think of like all the, all the goats that he's like, absolutely. Like you, the
1: Michael Jordan scholar. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, cause I was just like, I can't imagine being at that level and not having something just kind of affect you in a way that's pretty profound because that pressure of the world wanting to be like, well, you're, it's almost like they think that you're superhuman. It's like, no, I am a human and I can't take it. The world was watching her every move. So we're just, she's never going to listen to this, but Simone, we love you. (laughs) Joy and Claire are supporting you.
1: <laughs> the, I, there was something else that I reposted on my personal Instagram stories the other day that was like, Simone Biles will never see the comments that you make about how disappointed you are that she's, you know, doing this for her mental health. But your friends who have mental health struggles will. And I think that that's. Also so true. And it just is like all of the negativity that she's receiving still goes to show how far we have to go to honor people and their mental health the same way that we honor physical health and the same way, you know, that we honor a broken leg, we should be honoring a panic attack. And we just don't, you know. And and the same way that we honor a chronic illness, we should honor depression, which is a chronic illness, you know, and we should view it that way or addiction, you know, we should view that as a chronic illness, not as again, it's like if you can't view something as a medical emergency, then you, it's viewed as a weakness, and that's just so wrong. I
0: I want to I want to finish this with, and I encourage everybody to follow Brittany Pagnick Cunningham. Uh, the her Instagram handle is Ms Yeti, M S P A C K Y E T T I. Um, she's an activist, an educator, a writer. She's amazing. And she hosts the Undistracted podcast, which is also great. Subscribe to that. But she, re- she, she, re- and she's a Black woman. She recently wrote, because I think we can't have this discussion either without addressing that Simone Biles is a Black woman. And uh, one of the quotes that she, Or one of the, the pieces that Brittany wrote is, um, the only time we seem to love black bodies is when we can hold them up as a trophy and somewhere between being seen as a tool and used as a trophy. Black people never actually get to be fully human. So I think that that's, we can't have this discussion without acknowledging that as well and how race plays a part in this and how we are treating or how, how the public is treating Simone Biles. So I just I needed to call that out.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And they've been comparing this to Naomi Osaka, who recently you know withdrew as well for her mental health from a tennis competition. And I'm sorry, I'm butchering this. I don't I don't follow tennis, and I can't remember which one it was, but it was really recent. And saying you know that women of color are having to bear the burden for the impetus for this shift in our culture, but also at the same time that like it's a I've seen a lot of posts from different women of color that we follow who are like you know. This is the revolution and you know, this is the time when women of color can take back that autonomy. And so, you know, I'm really glad that you brought up the point about obviously Simone being black and how that really factors into this. And I hope that it allows us to have more conversations around the commoditization that we do, even more so of women of color. And just, I mean, it's so harmful. And I want, I still just, you know, I I really hope that this is seen moving forward as this incredible example and hopefully doesn't take anything away from her legacy long-term, you know, and is all these like peers, Morgans of the world who are saying that she's a disappointment. All those big.
0: Yeah. those great. Those white men. Yeah. Great white, men. white men can just move right along. And, and let me plug one more thing before we uh, move on is that if you have a subscription or sign up for Peacock, you can watch this series golden. And I don't know if it, like, aired on NBC, but I've watched Which we it. all
1: know you have Peacock right now that you've signed up for for the month of July and August to watch the Olympics. So yep. just hop on over just there. Just <laughs> hop
0: on over there because the <laughs> – I think it's Peacock. Anyway, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Peacock. They have a series called Golden, and it follows all of these female gymnasts as they go through all the finals and all the competitions. And I'm sorry, I don't know the exact names, but to get to the Olympics. And it's really interesting that all of these elite gymnasts – let's see – except for two three are women of color and how they are treated in the gym and it's not explicitly explicitly about that but you see it especially one of the younger gymnasts she's 16 she's a black woman and she is she ha- has to leave a, a gym because it actually it's not explicitly saying this but I could I could sense it and it was during the election and how the gym owner was just very much a Trump supporter. And some things were said that really offended her until she ended up leaving this gym. And, and it was just really interesting to see that. It was like, yep. I mean, these gymnasts are seen as tokens to win money for, or, or prosperity for these gyms that trade, that they train at, and, or USA Gymnastics. And no one's recognizing how racist this system is. So really recommend watching Golden If you can.
1: Okay. So now pivoting, we want to talk a little bit about the updated mask mandates and how we're feeling about it. So for most of the country, the CDC is, you know, and is now recommending that even vaccinated people start to wear masks again indoors in areas where transmission is. I forget the phrases, but basically where there's a lot of transmission and it's almost all of the United States. I mean, if you look on the map that they provide with all the little color codes, the only places that don't fall into that category are like really rural areas. By the time you guys listen to this, we I will have already gone to the CrossFit Games and come back. But we're traveling this weekend um with our kids to Wisconsin. I'm really nervous about it. You know, we scheduled this trip just a couple of weeks ago. And even a couple of weeks ago, things felt a lot safer. And now I'm really worried that, you know, Delta is this very serious variant. It's very, very contagious. And it's affecting kids more than previous variants have. And, you know, my kids can't get vaccinated. It's not approved for them yet. Once it is, they will. But who knows when that will happen? I just feel really frustrated. And I'm I'm having a hard time. Part of me, this almost kind of feels like the election anger all over again, where I was like, It was very hard to feel like, okay, on the one hand, I want to talk about it because it's so important to me. And I want people to know how I feel because it is about more than just a personal choice. It is about this bigger picture. And I just, I don't, I can't wrap my head around how people still, you know, we're now eight ish months after the first vaccines were rolled out to the healthcare workers were, you know, a year and a half into clinical trials. There's no science that shows long-term effects for the vaccine. While there is a lot of data that shows the potential for long-term effects from COVID. So that question to me doesn't make any sense that people are still asking the people who are saying, well, I'm young and healthy, so I can handle the virus. Like, well, then surely you could handle the vaccine. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, there are just these the questions that people are still asking i'm i want so badly to have empathy for those questions and i'm just having a hard time because i feel like you know a few more months have gone by we are getting more and more data okay maybe we know johnson and johnson was a little you know was less effective than we thought it was going to be but now you have a choice of which vaccine you you can get and i'm frankly mad that so many Healthy, eligible adults are viewing this as nothing more than their own personal individual choice and not, I feel like they don't think it's as important as I think it is for them to see the bigger public health societal implications of this. And so now it feels like we're back where we were six months ago, where... I've seen people being like, make it make sense. How are the unvaccinated people now risking the vaccinate people? I'm like, okay, first of all, make it make sense needs to go away. And we've used it and I'm ready for it to go away. <laughs> but like the reason is that this is a super, 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 super contagious virus. That's been the problem this whole time. The symptoms are confusing. You don't, you know, you typically don't know. A lot of people don't even know that they have it until they've been spreading it already for three, four five plus days. And the vaccine is not hundred percent effective. No one ever said that it was, but if everyone in your community, if everyone is 80% to 90%, you know, has that 80 to 90% immunity, that's a heck of a lot more effective than 40% of the people having that immunity and the other people having no immunity. Like, of course the math there just makes sense. So, you know, it's I'm just, just math. Sort of like, it's I'm Katie Heron. here
0: Katie Heron loves math. Right, love I'm Katie just sort Heron. of like yeah. speaking
1: of speaking of Katie Heron, this is feels like word vomit a little bit, but it's just like here are all my thoughts. <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm angry. You know, I'm disappointed. I am trying hard to have empathy, and I'm just in a day right now where I can't get there.
0: So the other thing that I want to bring up too, and I I completely agree with you, of course. I think it's I get angry as well. This will make sense. I promise. Uh, this will relate. But I've been seeing patients on BetterHelp, and I get to see patients from all over the world because the license licensure requirements allow me to do so. And patients from all over the world where vaccines are not available are like, I don't understand why you you Americans are not, are are making it such a political choice. We would kill to have the vaccine. And that's another thing that I'm like, Oh, sometimes I hate privileged people. (laughs) Like just, you know, the, the, it, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you. It's, you know, just this whole, we're not going to get the vaccine when we have so much available to us and other countries would be right so lucky to have it.
1: And I think, you know, there are people out there they're like, well, I'm not going to sign up for an experimental jab. I'm like, so then what's on the other side of the experiment? Everyone else who is getting vaccinated and, you know, your social media hashtag experimental jab is now thwarting the progress of fighting a global pandemic. Like we are part of a global society and a global community. And this decision to not get it just because you don't want to. I mean, again, always there are medical reasons. And I think that those are absolutely out there. But yeah, we're not talking about that. So we don't want hate
0: mail around it because we get that. We understand that.
1: But like. We're not talking about half the population here. We're talking about a small, fa- you know, small faction or even like pregnant women. I get it. There are their science isn't there. It can't be there. If you feel more comfortable waiting it out, you know, but like, again, that's not half the population. And I just am so frustrated by it. And I I wish that a lot of times I can have empathy for those people. And right now is not one of those moments. And, it's just you know, it'll fine. come back around. Maybe. Yeah,
0: it'll come back around. Maybe. It, it's interesting, though, that I, when conversations like this come up, I have such memories of anger and frustration during the Trump era that I think it's important that we stay fired up about these things and we don't get complacent, like I've said before, just because we have a president who actually has some compassion in his heart, that we don't lose the passion to change because it was nice. so in our face
1: and that's what I meant when I first started talking about this stuff. Like it feels almost similar to how I felt when the election last year, where it was like, on the one hand, me using my stress and my energy to worry about other people's choices is not is doing very little other than just draining me of energy. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't want to feel like I'm just letting the world go by while I do have a platform where I can voice my opinions. You know, I don't think anybody who's listening to this who hasn't been vaccinated is gonna be like, thanks, Claire. Your impassioned, annoyed speech really changed my mind.
0: Really changed my mind. Yeah. Like, man, we listening,
1: don't... <laughs> listening to you be annoyed with me really helped. <laughs> right. I
0: mean, it's like the point is we can be frustrated because we're frustrated and it's just objectively right. frustrating for your children. And you right. said Miles has to go to kindergarten in a mask and like.
1: Exactly. And like, you know, kids can't get vaccinated. Our kids are at risk. The people who, for whatever other reason, can't get vaccinated, they're at super high risk. And, you know, I think the other thing too is like, listen, if you really don't want to get vaccinated, it's your choice. So then stay home or wear a mask all the time. All the time. Yeah. You can't have it all. You can't be. You can't just walk your- around and
0: pretend like this isn't happening.
1: That's the thing. And that's kind of maybe that's the biggest thing is like, If you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. But then you can't just live your life as if everything is normal. That's not the world that we're living in right now. And it's not going to be for some time and it has not been for some time. And you have to just stop pretending that that's not the case. If you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. But then you have to stay home. And when you do go out, you have to wear a mask. And that's the science. Those are, that is the data. Those are the facts. You can't have it all. You can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to this. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm mad <sighs> mad. All right. This let's mad Claire. Let's talk about high school Claire.
1: Okay. Mad Claire transition. Okay. So to wrap this up, um, as you guys, as I previously said, I've been listening to dare to lead a lot. It's like really the only podcast <laughs> I listen to. I just love listening to Bernie Brown talk about leadership. I think that like it's
0: great. the it's great.
1: sociology behind leadership in particular is so fascinating And as someone who's sort of always been labeled like the natural leader, it's just been, and I say that dripping with just like, I hate that label. But at the same time, it's just been so interesting for me to open up my understanding of what that label means. So I love it. In her podcast, in Dare to Lead, she always asks people like, hey, tell us your story. And for the people who sort of just like skip, hop, and jump throughout their story, she often tells asks them to go back and ask them, what were you like in high school? And I was thinking about that question, and I love it when she asked that because it really people come up with these like great little anecdotes about themselves that reveal so much about them. So I wanted to ask us that question. So Joy, what were you like in high school?
0: Hmm. I mean, it's okay. So uh, I was a cheerleader um, from... Junior high all the way up through high school. That was very important to me. I love doing dance and cheer, but I think where it comes from is I had a very big fear of not being liked and not being cool. So that was my way of being like, I got a ticket to coolness. I'm going to be a cheerleader and I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to make sure I'm in like those popular groups because I don't think I could have handled like not being in the in crowd for better or for worse, guys. For better or for worse, that's just how I was. So I was I was a very good student. I was never skipped class. All of my friends would skip class and like you know go eat food somewhere, and I never ditched with them. I uh, was a, I w- was like wanted to please my teachers. Friends with all my teachers. My teachers loved me. Got good grades. Like kind of the annoying. I had a really good time in high school. Kind of person. Um, I love to tell the story that. <laughs> like, I love this story so much, um, slash everyone probably hates me for talking about it, but I was a, a freshman in high school and I went to prom with a senior and I will never forget. Well, not not only that, I went to homecoming, my first dance, I went to homecoming with a senior and I'm sure my parents were terrified, but my first boyfriend in high school was like on the football team, <laughs> CJ Erlandson, if you're still out there. <laughs>
1: EJ, if you're listening. He was so cute. <laughs> why are you listening? Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, why are you listening? And I know you're not. Um, So he – yeah, he and I did it. Anyway, so I went to, a, like, homecoming with a senior. But my favorite story is there's this girl, you know, in cheer when you're on the varsity team. And I think – yeah, I was on varsity as a sophomore. When you're on the varsity team, the seniors, you know, are, like, the captains. And so you're kind of, like – in your, you're put in your place, so to speak, because you're just a a sophomore. So you have to like listen to them. But there was this senior cheerleader who wanted to go to prom with like the most popular guy in school. And he asked me to prom. I don't know why. I still don't know why he asked me, but I remember she was so mad because she was a senior and he was a senior and she wanted to go to prom with him. And it was like so awkward for me because I was kind of like, I just go here. Like, I'm really nothing special, but like, I don't even know why he asked me, but we went to prom. So I just like, I was just kind of like this naive, but I wanted everybody to like me. I was like friends with everybody. I didn't have like one set of group of friends or like two best friends that I hung out with all the time. I kind of hung out with everybody, but yeah, I look back on high school and I really had a good time. Like we had a, we had a huge graduating class. I think our graduating class was 3000 people. Um, I feel like for the like white Mormon town that it was, we still had some good diversity. So I was friends with people of color and like hung out with a pretty diverse group of people. There's a pretty strong Hispanic culture in Mesa too, that I feel like that was something that like, looking back, I, I'm like, I took that for granted that I like really was surrounded by a lot of diversity in my high school. But anyway, good times. That was a good memory lane. What about you?
1: <laughs> I loved high school. And not in like a Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite kind of loved high school. Like, you know, if I could just go back in time sort of way, like I wouldn't want to redo it, but I absolutely loved it. And I think looking back, like when I was in high school, I would not have said that I was popular, but I think looking back, I probably, I was, and I think that that's probably one of the hallmarks of being popular is that you didn't think about it. And, but what I mean by that is that I just had friends in every single different group and I really did everything. Everything. When I was in high school, I had a really drum, tumultuous, dramatic, unstable. My home life was not great. My dad was in a marriage with a woman who was really emotionally abusive towards me. My when I was at my parents had shared custody, when I was at my mom's house, things were okay. My brother and my stepdad really didn't get along, and so they fought all the time. And so that just was like a, a tough situation to be in. And then when I was at my dad's house, his marriage was completely falling apart, and she was like truly clinically bipolar and if not a, a handful of other un, untreated completely untreated diagnoses that made it really really hard to to deal with her and i don't want that to sound like a commentary on people who are bipolar because i know that that's not everyone but for me as a high schooler that dynamic was just i couldn't i mean i didn't know how to handle it and so i just spent all my time at high school and if I wasn't at school, I was at church being like super involved in that. And that, you know, youth group and choir. I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself to be religious anymore. But at the time, like socially, that was just like the most involved group I could be in. So, I mean, I would get to school at 630 in the morning for like either choir or, you know, some other student council is super involved. in I was the president of my class junior and senior year. I would be at school until five or six at night. Um, and then I would go to youth group. And so maybe the best way for me to explain who I was in high school is by saying that my senior year of high school, the yearbook editor had to make a rule to limit the number of pages of the yearbook I could be at.
0: You were that person.
1: Like, but it wasn't even that I was... I, I, the only thing I didn't do is play sports, but what I lacked in athleticism, I made up for in school spirit. I was at every game.
0: Oh, wow. Like the
1: obscure sports. I went to, and that's what I mean is like, I went to everything I could go to. I went to the swim meets. I went to, you know, like the stuff that like, like, you normally don't have a lot of spectators. (laughs)
0: Like there's Claire again with her banners. She's yeah. got signs.
1: I was like the only girl that did the full body paint for a, like rival football game. Like, oh, my I, God. I won amazing. the spirit award. I won the like I won so many like yearbook or I mean, guys, like I was in it. I was so into. High yeah.
0: School. But that's how you and cope, too. Like, it was that's a, a really mechanism. it's a healthy way to cope. It's better than getting yeah. the drugs. Like,
1: I mean, I'm the only kid in my family who didn't go to rehab. So before college, so you, uh, or during you, college, <laughs> you,
0: you, you made some good choices. You made some good choices.
1: Yes, so that was me. But I just loved that question because it lets you talk about a part of your life that you don't normally like go into too much detail yeah. about. Maybe there's a reason I don't go into too much detail about it because now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, I didn't, my my upbringing like wasn't as tragic. wasn't tragic at all. Yeah. Um, but I definitely did not have a great home life, and so I'm well, really lucky teenager, that I had a great. Yeah.
0: Totally. I'm lucky that you I had a great it. high school. Yeah. You made a good I, life with your school. And I grew up, up in school. Boulder.
1: Right. And like, you know, Boulder Valley has amazing high schools. I'm really lucky the high school that I went to had as many programs as it did and had the healthy, like, supportive environment that it did for me to find this very, like, default resource where I could just really throw myself into it. So that was clear in high school. All right. I was, like, missed high school. And fun fact. Because I was the president, was I the president or the vice president? Of my senior class. You uh, don't remember? <laughs> well, okay. So here's what happened. This is dramatic. you had so
0: many roles you don't remember.
1: Let me tell you what happened. My junior, my junior year of high school, I ran against my best friend for president, and I won. So then my senior year,
0: so she became your unbest friend. <laughs> so
1: I mean, we did okay, but then my senior year, we like ran on a ticket together because we were like, I don't want to like that's we don't want to do that again. But as a fun fact. I now have to plan all my high school reunions. Oh. Which like in, in high school I was like, this will be, because I loved high school. It was like, this yeah, will be great. This and will be the I'm best. like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, someone's dropped the ball on our high school because I have not seen a reunion for anything. And we, I think our 20 year passed already. So I'm like, where are you guys? I mean, I went to my ten year long time ago. Yeah, we're coming I mean, up on our 20 year no we're coming up on our no, 30 year oh you're
1: probably no. at like 15 because i'm at or you're probably at 25 because you're 10 years older than yeah, me and
0: i'm 15 25 yeah. yeah 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 i gotta keep track so stuff. yeah i'm like 25 is <laughs> coming up mesa high where are you at class of 1996
1: <laughs> so good <sighs> okay. all right guys well thanks for hanging in there with us we love this you week. go to eat 2 evolve.com use discount code joy 15 also if you've been watching if you watched the crossfit games last week and it got you fired up get yourself a new jump rope from double under wonder you yes. can get a mermaid now you can get mermaids on your handles now
0: <sighs> they're the best too they're just the best they're to work just
1: with the best so like go to double will, under wonder yeah. use discount code joy they're so wonderful. The people who work there are just gems of humans, all of them. So give them your business. They they deserve it. Great customer they have service. Earned it.
0: They have earned it. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. And you can follow us on Instagram at Joanne Claire underscore. You can go to our website, joanneclare.com. You can email us at thisisjoanneclare at gmail.com. We love you. Thank you for being here. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.